The Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. If you'd like to discover more amazing Alberta-made podcasts, you need to check them all out at albertapodcastnetwork.com. I'm Dave Cornwier. And I'm Adam Rosenhart. And you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We're recording this episode on Monday, October 21st, 2019, as the returns come in from Canada's 43rd federal election. We're going to do something a little different this episode. I've actually prepared a few questions uh, for Dave on the results that we're seeing from the federal election, and uh, and we'll sort of get into what it all means. But before that, Dave, uh, tell me a little bit about your day. I know you've it was a work day, but you, you're a pundit, so you were probably running around. What did you do today? Well, I mean, I, you know, it, it, it was a work day, um, but of course, throughout the entire day, there my my phone was ringing, there was text messages, um, partisans, campaigners from all different political parties, political watchers uh, uh, connecting, um, talking about like, well, what are you hearing on the ground? What's happening? And of course, you know, you 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 hear a lot, but you know, you're also not hearing a lot on, on, on election day because all the parties are so focused. All the campaigns are so focused on getting their vote out. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about, but in, in a way it's kind of like the calm before the storm. It's like everything that's, that's done has been done. Uh, everything that's said has been said basically until the results start to come in on election night. So tonight I had the opportunity to host a event for LitFest. Uh, Edmonton's not um, Alberta's nonfiction literary festival. Uh, mm-hmm. They had an election night event at Metro Cinema, uh, and we had a bunch of authors come in and do some readings, talking about um, compassion and hope and respect and listening and learning to listen. Um, and it was it was a really uh, it was a really great event. There was a good, good turnout tonight at the theater, and uh, and the writers were great, and it was it was a lot of fun. Cool, cool. And yeah, it sounds yeah. like the, the overall theme from from some of the readings and discussions you had, uh, if I could apply my own lens, even though I wasn't there, <laughs> this was a garbage election. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody was is really like sad it's over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, it has not been like the most inspiring, hope filled election, even though there have been like, I think there have been moments um overall i think it's been uh, it feels like the parties were kind of scraping the bar- the bottom of the barrel in terms of only focusing on their base supporters and not really talking to canadians yeah um so i think that uh i think that a lot of canadians are going to be glad this election is over but the question is is what comes next yeah and i and you know glad it's over and hopeful that we don't find ourselves in the same situation, uh, you know, within, you know, four years. Yeah. Or, or within six months. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Though, I mean, it seems, it looks like the liberals have a, a fairly, we'll be able to form a fairly sizable minority government. Um, it's not as close as some of the predictions, uh, predictions had, uh, had predicted. Yeah. That's what in, predict- term, in terms of the seat counts. Absolutely. Well, let's get into uh, the questions that I have for you tonight. And, and the first one we've sort of danced around already, but were there any surprises overall in the results that we saw tonight? And by the way, as we're recording this at this moment, it is 10 p.m. on the 21st. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the I guess there were, there were some surprises. Um, I mean, the 
in terms of individual results, uh, we were talking about before we went live on air, the Green Party winning a seat in Fredericton. Now, the Greens have a seat in Fredericton provincially, so it's not totally unheard of uh, if you're in Fredericton to elect a Green in, in the Legislative Assembly in, in um in New Brunswick, they already had their their party leaders from Fredericton, but I think it was a little bit of a surprise nationally to see uh, to see the Greens win uh, a seat in New Brunswick of all places federally. When when there was so much focus on Vancouver Island and and BC for the Greens, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and as far as like a minority government situation with the Liberals goes, I mean, you said it before, the polls weren't quite spot on in terms of seat counts, but uh, did the result at all surprise you? Well, actually, it's funny because I was on. Um, I think I might have might have said it on this pod on this podcast at one point. But I remember being on CBC a couple of weeks ago, and 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 uh, Mark Connolly from Edmonton AM asked me what my prediction was for for the election, and I said, "Well, I think there's going to be a liberal minority, uh, but I think the Conservatives are going to win the popular vote." And uh, I have to have to say that it looks like it's it's exactly that's exactly what's going to happen. So you know, pr- prediction kind of based on on my own table napkin back of the napkin. Uh, uh, math um, uh, it looks like it's looks like it's playing out, and I mean the liberals have such a huge advantage when it comes to um, their uh, their support in the big urban centers. So in terms of basically, we're talking about Montreal and Toronto. That their their support is so concentrated in these cities that they're able to win just huge swaths of seats, even though overall their popular vote isn't uh, isn't isn't it well at this point it doesn't look like it's actually even higher than the conservatives who are finishing like 30 seats behind them so it's it's likely or it's possible that we're going to hear a lot of these uh, conversations about changing the electoral system from first past the post yet again oh what, what yeah wouldn't it be something if there was a leader who promised to end the first past the post system wouldn't that wouldn't that be something oh yeah oh yeah justin, justin trudeau said that four years ago yeah and here we are yeah, though I think though I, the the funny thing is is that under if if they'd moved to a proportional representation system, the Liberals wouldn't have the Conservatives probably would have won more seats than the Liberals tonight. Yeah, so there's I guess if they're looking at that, there's no real incentive again for them to change the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bummer. Well, Justin Trudeau will be invited to form government. Uh, so I wonder, who do you see in Trudeau's first cabinet for his second mandate? And do you see? And I know I know how things are looking. But is there any possibility of Alberta representation in that cabinet? Well, going going to your first question, for your first question about who will be invited to join the cabinet, I mean, I think we'll probably see some of the the more high profile cabinet ministers return: Christia Freeland, Mark Garneau, Jim Carr in Winnipeg. It looks like he's going to get reelected, um, and then I guess we'll see who gets reelected and who who gets reelected in British Columbia. So I think so. I think that it, it looks like many of the many of the the high-profile liberal liberal cabinet ministers, Bill Morneau, for example, have been reelected tonight, at least from what I've seen. Um, so, I mean, it wouldn't be—I won't be surprised to see some some of those names. Um, one of the interesting, one interesting name who I think might it could—I mean—could end up in cabinet. I'm, I've heard that Adam Vancouverden has is in the, a position has or is very close to defeating Lisa Raitt. Now we'll see what what the election results, the final results say. But that's that's a huge blow to the Conservatives if Lisa Raitt. Uh, loses her seat tonight. I mean, she is a, uh, you know, probably one of the strongest performers in the Conservative caucus. She's, uh, you know, was a leadership candidate. She was a cabinet minister, a very well-known name. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Adam Vancouver, Vancouverden, um, former Canadian Olympian, uh, uh, appointed to cabinet. Alberta is another question. Now, it looks like 
I mean, it's, I think it's pretty clear at this point in the night that the Liberals have not won, ha- have failed to win any seats in Alberta. Amarjeet Sohi defeated in Edmonton Mill Woods by Tim Upple. Randy Boissonneau. By the erstwhile Tim Upple. Yes, yes. The on, 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 Ontario resident Tim Upple has defeated Amarjeet <laughs> Sohi. Um, Randy Boissonneau defeated by James Cumming in Edmonton Center. Kent Hare defeated by uh, Greg McLean in, in Calgary Center. Um, the Liberals have not picked up, have not been able to pick up at any seats anywhere else. Uh, it will be very interesting to see what Trudeau does. Now, when, when you go back to the 1970s and 1980s, when Pierre Elliott Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's father, was prime minister and was in a similar situation where the Liberals did not elect any MPs from Alberta, there were senators from Alberta who were appointed to cabinet. The difference now is that Justin Trudeau has kicked out all the senators from the Liberal caucus and does and doesn't recognize like has not appointed any liberal senators they've technically been all kind of all independent senators that that have been appointed since Trudeau became prime minister. So he may look to tap an independent senator to to sit in the cabinet to be a representative for Alberta. I mean this is the fourth largest province in the country. It's it's kind of a big deal that there will be no representation in cabinet. Yeah. It, it, is there any precedent for that? Like, have there been independent senators tapped to be part of a, a cabinet? I'll have to look to see. I mean, it's it's this is kind of a, a, a an extreme circumstance. I think in the case of of the senior Trudeau appointing senators to cabinet, they were liberal senators. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, the Senate was like a very partisan body, whereas the Liberals were reporting liberal partisans and Conservatives were reporting conservative partisans. Um, it, you know, I, there are like longtime liberal loyalists who are serving as independent senators. I'm thinking Grant Mitchell. He's a, a senator from Alberta, um, mm-hmm. longtime liberal, former liberal MLA for Edmonton Meadowlark and Edmonton McClung, was leader of the Liberal Party in the legislature um, for a number of years before he was appointed to the Senate. Um, I mean, Trudeau may look to someone like him, or he may look to an you know an actual in actual independent senator, someone like maybe Paula Simons, yeah, uh, to of uh, natural resources or something like that. <laughs> maybe, may I mean, I don't know. It's it's uh, we'll we'll have to see. I, I think that every everything is kind of up in the air right now. I mean, the the the, the ironic thing is that of the of the whole situation is that Tr- Justin Trudeau has spent so much time coming out to Alberta. I mean as prime minister he's probably visited Alberta more times than Stephen Harper did when Harper was prime minister. Like Trudeau's out here almost like every second or third month. Um the liberals have focused a lot on trying to appease Alberta in terms of the Trans Mountain pipeline in terms of appointing, you know, at one point we had two cabinet ministers when when Kent Hare was in was still in cabinet and Amarjeet was in cabinet. Uh, I mean, so he was in cabinet. Um, so we, you know, we were kind of overrepresented in the liberal cabinet um, when you think about how many liberal MPs were actually elected from Alberta. But now it's going to be a very interesting because it's clear that Albertans, as a you know, by and large, have rejected the liberals, and I think that's that that's what this vote is really uh, is really reflective of. Well, let's get into uh, Alberta ridings because I, I, there was some interesting stuff that happened today. And, and I'd like, if you wouldn't mind, starting with the riding that I live in, which is Edmonton Center, looking at the results where James Cumming, uh, the, the conservative, won. If you look at the the votes the other candidates got, we the left really split the vote. It was, uh, I don't remember the split, but between Catherine Swampy and Randy Boissonneau, a total of 10,000 votes. And if there had been a consolidated left, perhaps... Uh, we wouldn't have a conservative MP. 
What do you think of that one? Was that a surprise to you? Well, I mean, the, 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 one of the things I was watching with Edmonton Center was what would happen with the NDP votes. Now, early on in the election, the election campaign, and this seems like a million years ago, it looked like the NDP were absolutely totally going to collapse. You know, there was talk about the NDP maybe winning five seats and losing party status. And then kind of about two weeks ago, uh, you know, Jagmeet Singh, Jagmeet Singh got a got his got into his groove and and started, you know, something was happening. And you could tell like his personality was showing he was super interesting and engaging and 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 that kind of changed. So at that point I was thinking, well, in 2015, the NDP got about 25% of the vote in Edmonton Center. And and Randy Boissonneau was, you know, narrowly elected. I think he got about 20, 37 or 38% of the vote in 2015 over James Cumming. Um, so it was a narrow was a narrow result to begin with. But my, my, my line of thinking early in the campaign was, well, if the NDP vote collapses, where does that vote go? Uh, does it go to, to Randy Boissonneau to stop? Like, is it like an anybody but conservative vote? Or will those NDP voters stick with the NDP or go to the Greens or will they people people vote conservative because they're just unhappy with the with the with the, the liberals. Well it looks like most of that NDP vote actually stayed solid. So Catherine Swampy, it looks like she's got about 20% of the vote, which is most uh, mo I mean that dropped by about four percent, but it's it's a huge chunk. It's a substantial like it's most of the NDP vote from 2015 that that she was able to hold. So the NDP actually didn't really lose much in in, uh, in Edmonton Center as much as I, I would have expected earlier in the campaign. Um, so they did play a bigger factor than, than I initially would have expected. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, right now, I mean, look, I'm looking at the results on CBC right now. It looks like James Cumming was elected with 42% of the vote in Edmonton Center. Demographically, this is not a natural conservative riding. It's downtown, it's inner city, it's urban. Um, it's not, it's not a suburban riding. So, I mean, I think it, it, it has an, the nature of being more of a, more of a liberal or NDP riding. And, and right now it looks like combined the, uh, the liberals and the NDP got about 50% of the vote compared to the 40, 43 or 44 that James Cumming is sitting on right now. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we, you noted in a text exchange earlier that Adil Purbai was running as an independent in Edmonton Center. So <laughs> yes. it keeps popping up. Yes, perennial candidate. You 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 may have recognized him from every single city council race over the past few years. <laughs> well, let's go to Edmonton Millwoods next, uh, which was Amarjeet Sohi's riding. Uh, he lost pretty decisively to Tim Upple. What do you make of absentee candidate Tim Upple's win there? <laughs> well, I, I don't think Tim Upple was an absentee candidate. He was definitely out there campaigning. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean. The, the the reference you're making is that he lives in Ontario and he said he's not moving back to Ontario, not moving back to Alberta, uh, if uh, if he's uh, if he was elected and it looks like he's elected and and I assume this means him and his family are going to stay in Ontario. Uh, if the Conservatives had formed government, I would expect Tim Upple to have probably been appointed to cabinet. He's a, he did serve as, as in cabinet previous to this election. He was at the MP for going back a few years. He was the MP for Edmonton Sherwood Park. So. He had, he's one of the few Alberta MPs, uh, in conservative M Alberta MPs with cabinet experience. Um, you know, he probably would have been spending a lot more time in Ontario if he were a cabinet minister. I expect now he'll probably be spending more time in Alberta. So maybe he'll have a change of heart and, and join us at West. But not, not like but it actually matters, but not, 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 not like it actually matters. Now he, and he won, he was out campaigning. He, um, uh, the Conservatives poured a lot of resources into this, and it was a very close race in 2015. I think it was the Amarjeet Sohi won by about 92 votes after a recount. Now, Amarjeet Sohi is a 
despite the results tonight, he is a very personally popular politician. He mm -hmm. was a three-term city councillor. He's extremely likable, very congenial, uh, hardworking, probably one of the best retail politicians I've seen in Edmonton. Um, and, and a genuinely nice guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, genuinely, genuinely nice guy. And I, I don't think these results reflect upon Amarjeet Sohi. I think this is this was an anti-liberal wave. It was a conservative wave, anti-Trudeau wave here in Alberta, and uh, and there was no stopping it for for liberal candidates and incumbent liberal MPs. Um, so I don't think this reflects reflects personally on Amarjeet Sohi. Uh, and I expect this probably isn't the last we're going to see of Amarjeet Sohi in politics in this province. I was going to ask any any speculation on where he may pop up next on your part. Well, there's always rumors of going back many years, going back a few years. But uh, but when I talk to people about what's going to happen in the 2021 mayoral, mayoral election in Edmonton, if Don Iveson decides not to run for re-election, nine times out of ten, someone will bring up Amarjeet Sohi's name. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's probably got a lot to think about tonight and who knows what he's going to do next, but, uh, I'm not the only person who's thinking about that. I can tell you that for sure. Definitely. Well, let's turn our attention then to the area, another area south of the river, uh, near the university of Alberta, Edmonton Strathcona that had been held by Linda Duncan, who announced her retirement a few, I want to say a few years back. Was it Dave? Uh, I think it was yeah about a year or two ago she announced her she wasn't going to run again yeah right and uh, it looks like Heather McPherson the new Democrat has beat Sam Lilly conservative she's got forty seven ish percent of the vote there uh, what do you make of that uh, are you surprised to see this result in Strathcona well this this is the NDP heartland and uh, and I really wish that we had. Uh, had my for our former call former co-host Ryan Hassman on the show right now because he would be able to offer some great insight into Edmonton Strathcona, having run run there as a conservative before. So we'll have to uh, I'll have to exchange some text messages with Ryan about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I'm not I'm not shocked. I thought that the NDP would be able to hold this riding. I mean I thought I thought it might be closer. Um, you know right now I'm looking at CBC and there's 162 out of 198 polls reporting and Heather McPherson has 47 percent of the vote compared to. 37% for Sam Lilly, who's the conservative challenger. And then um, liberal uh, challenge, liberal candidate Eleanor Ozlewski is down at uh, 11% um, in third. Now, you know, this is this is the NDP heartland in Alberta. Rachel Notley is the MLA for the provincial version of Edmonton Strathcona, which is in this riding. Um, Marlon Schmidt and Laurie Sigurdsson are the are two of the, the MLAs for the area. Uh, the NDP are very well organized in Edmonton Strathcona. They have figured it out. This may be the only part, only place in Alberta that they've really figured it out federally, but like they really know how to organize and they have a, like a real ground game in this, in this riding. So I'm not shocked to see the NDP hold it. Mm -hmm. um, the NDP held it throughout Harper's time as premier, as prime minister. Um, so even when the conservatives were at their high watermark nationally, um, the NDP were still holding the seat when, when Jack Layton was, was, and Tom Mulcair was leader of the, um, leader of the NDP. So, uh, you know, the, the, the NDP put a lot of hard work in this. They, they constantly, uh, reinforce their lists, their names, their, their contacts. Um, they, they really know how to, how to do a good ground game. And, you know, this may be the only federal riding in Alberta where they've really perfected that. Yeah. And something interesting that took place, uh, around Edmonton Strathcona earlier in the week was that, uh, former premier, Alberta premier, Rachel Notley announced that she was endorsing Heather McPherson 
Uh, I don't know that that was surprising, but that could have been a risky move, don't you think? Well, it, I mean, it, it 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 was kind of surprising considering how Rachel Notley had played coy in the few weeks before. Now, the this this goes back all the way to the the provincial goes back to the provincial election where the and before where the UCP, the United Conservative Party, has has been pounding the NDP um, over their connections with the federal conservatives and, and sending out memes and, and constantly bringing it up in question period about, well, who is Rachel Notley going to support? And this has to go, has to do with the split that the federal and the provincial NDP have had over pipelines. Yeah. Uh, with, with Jagmeet Singh saying that he would, he opposes the trans mountain pipeline expansion project. Now, Heather McPherson has said that she's in favor of the, of the pipeline project. So that will be very interesting how she interacts with her new federal colleagues in, in a, in what looks to be a smaller federal NDP caucus. Um, but it's important to remember that even though like there's this one particular issue that has really divided fed the, the Democrats provincially and federally on, on probably at 98% of the issues, Rachel Notley will agree with, with Jagmeet Singh in terms of, of advocating for, uh, ad- advocating positions, NDP positions on things like expanding dent- dental care and pharmacare um, and things like that. Yeah. Now, before we leave Edmonton and talk about what happened uh, in at least one of the writings in Calgary, I just want to chat briefly about the writing that you are in, Edmonton Griesbaugh. Uh, Carrie Diot is the incumbent there. Uh, Mark Charrington was an NDP candidate who put it put up a pretty decent fight there. And in spite of his absenteeism, it looks like Kerry Diot has been reelected. I'd say much to the chagrin of certainly a lot of the folks that I know in that riding. <laughs> what do you make of that? I'm, I'm going to have another drink now. I think that's that's that's, that's my response. <laughs> <laughs> Completely understandable. No, I, I I'm not I'm not surprised that I'm not surprised that Kerry Diot was reelected. Um, I think that this was. Uh, this was going to be a very tough election for the NDP or the Liberals outside of the ride. I mean, everywhere in Alberta, but especially outside the ridings that they held. Mm-hmm. In 2015, um, the NDP mounted a very strong campaign with Janice Irwin as their candidate. Janice Irwin, who's now the NDP, who's now my MLA, the NDP MLA yeah. for Edmonton Highlands Road. Janice is fantastic. Um, and I'm really glad that she got elected provincially. Sad that she's not my MP, but I'm glad that uh, glad that she can represent me in the legislature. Um, you know, the NDP the, in Edmonton, Greasebaugh, they nominated late. They kind of held off all their nominations, most of their nominations in Alberta until after the provincial election. And I think that was a, they were focusing a lot of their resources on the provincial election and they didn't want to mix messages between the federal and provincial NDP during the campaign, uh, during the pr- provincial campaign. But I think that in ridings like Edmonton, Greasebaugh, where they have done well in the, very well in the past, um, I think it hurt them. I think Mark Charrington could have done well. I mean, with more time, mm-hmm. he got about twenty-five percent of the vote. Um, you know, with more time, perhaps he could have done better. Uh, the the one candidate I want to point out, Habiba, Habiba Muhammad, who's the Liberal candidate in Edmonton Greasebaugh, uh, who's actually I think is quite a, quite a good candidate, got about sixteen or sixteen or seventeen percent of the vote here. And the Liberals haven't done well in this riding for a number of years. Going back into the nineties. They actually elect, like there was a liberal actually elected here in the early 90s, uh, Judy Bethel, who was the li- former city councillor and a liberal MP here from 1993 to 1997. But since then, the liberals have declined. They've been, they've been declined from a kind of a solid second to a distant third. And, and I think what you saw here was, was uh, you know, there's a little bit of a solidifying of a, of a liberal vote around, uh, around the high teens right now. 
which yeah. is it's going to be interesting. So I think you had two strong opponents to Mr. Diot, both from kind of the the centrist or progressive side of the political spectrum. Sure. Well, that does it for Edmonton. Let's turn our attention now to Calgary. And I think the big one that we were all watching uh, to see if he would hang on was Kent Hare in Calgary Center. He did not hang on. Greg McLean was elected with uh, 56% of the vote in that riding. And he, he kind of gave Kent Hare a drubbing. Uh, Kent coming in with 27%. Probably not a big surprise either, Dave, just the way the sentiment is in Alberta towards the federal liberals. Yeah, this was not the liberals year in uh, to is this this was, was not the year the liberals uh, uh, this was not the year for, uh, the year for the liberals in Calgary. Um, Kent Hare is a you know a very well known name. Uh, he's a formidable campaigner, um, former M M former MLA. Um, I'm not surprised that uh, I'm not, I'm not surprised to see see that he wasn't reelected tonight because of the anti-Trudeau wave or the, or the conservative wave here in Alberta, and also because of the personal and political controversies that Harris has been involved in over the past years. I was actually a little su surprised to see that he was running for re-election to begin with. Um, yeah, maybe it was know. just one of the cases of the Liberals needing, thinking they needed a warm body who was kind of electable in that riding. I don't know. Maybe I mean he's been elected there before, so you know the idea might have been that at one point maybe 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 they saw there was a path for victory. But uh, I mean I'm not shocked that uh, that Calgary has has gone back to a solid blue uh, representation in the in uh, the House of Commons. Yeah, the the voting behaviors there would probably track very closely with how the economy is doing in Alberta. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In this case. Okay, one more that I want to get your thoughts on that I have on my list. If, if you've got more, we'll talk about them. But Vancouver Granville, which is where Jody Wilson-Raybould was running as an independent. At this moment, uh, she's sitting at 30%, which is the most in the riding. 4% uh, more than Talib Noor-Muhammad, uh, the liberal candidate who's, who's coming in at 26%. What do you think of this one, Dave? Like, I mean, Jody Wilson-Raybould has great name recognition, but running as an independent is uh, probably not the best thing to do in party politics. Well, you know, well, I mean, J Jody Wilson-Raybould is probably the the most high-profile independent candidate in Canada in this election. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a friend living in Vancouver who was I was texting with a, uh, a couple weeks ago. Asking, you know, well, what are you hearing on the ground? What's, what's, you know, what, what are you seeing in Vancouver? And he said, well, you know, I'm, I live in Vancouver East, and there are a lot of NDP signs, and the NDP are going to win big here. And I, you know, I go to, I work at UBC, so I'm seeing a lot of liberal signs on the in on in Vancouver Quadra. But I have to go through have to go through Vancouver Granville on the bus to get there, and there's just like a ton of of black Jody Wilson Raybould election signs everywhere. So. I, you know, I think she's she's mounted a strong campaign, and and uh, uh, I mean, I I, th I think we should see more independence in uh, in in the House of Commons, and I think that Jody Wilson Raybould in particular uh, will be a uh, quite the thorn in uh, in Justin Trudeau's side. I mean, she is no shrinking violet, uh, yeah. and I think I think if anything that this anything that this um, the pat the 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 SNC Lavalin scandal and and the aftermath is proven is that she is uh, she's a bit of a political force and if she can pull it off tonight and get elected as an independent i mean we'll see will be very interesting to see what uh, what role she plays in this minority parliament but probably safe to say she won't find a spot in the liberal cabinet oh god no no i think that's uh, i think that's done i mean unless she runs for liberal leader maybe she maybe if 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 uh, justin trudeau resigns she'll run for liberal leader i don't know 
I, I, I don't think that uh, that she'll. I don't get the impression that she'll be welcomed back in with uh, with open arms. Yeah, I don't think so either. Were there <laughs> any Were there any other ridings across Canada that uh, that caught your eye? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff still coming in right now. I think that one one of the interesting ones that well, well yeah, one of the one of the very interesting ones that that uh, came in tonight, um, uh, in the I think it's Regina Wascana riding, Ralph Goodale uh, defeated. Ralph Goodale yeah. has been the MP for I'm trying to find what is it? It's Regina Wascana. I'm just looking at my CBC map right now, trying to pull it up. Man, Saskatchewan, it's just. <laughs> So I, I, I never I never know where Regina and and uh, Saskatoon are. Uh, Regina is further away from Edmonton, and you're right. It it is Regina. Oh, there it is. Okay, uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, Regina. Sorry for our Saskatchewan listeners. Um, I've been to Saskatchewan four times in my life. That's uh, not enough, Dave. And I hope to visit more because it's a beautiful province, and and I, I Saskatoon's great, and Regina has nice parts in it, and uh, and I hear the lakes are nice too. Okay, right. I'm going to stop. Ralph Goodale <laughs> defeated after, I think, nine terms. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, Ralph, Ralph Goodale, Goodale, correct me if I'm wrong, was a cabinet minister for Jean Chrétien. Yes, he has been the MP for Regina Wiscana or whatever the version, whatever version, whatever its name was, its name was over the course of redistribution since 1993. And then he was even elected as an MP in the 1970s and, and when... Um, when Pierre Trudeau was prime minister. So he served in the car. I don't think he, I don't think, I think he might have served as, served as a parliamentary secretary during that time. So he's been a fixture of Saskatchewan politics for like forever. And his personal popularity has been what's carried him in this riding until this, until this point. I, I mean, I, I, there was one election, I think it was the 2011 election where the liberals collapsed everywhere in Saskatchewan and his vote his own vote in Regina, Wiscana was like something like 60% of the total liberal vote in the province of Saskatchewan in that election. Wow. So, so, I mean, up until tonight, he was able to, uh, up until this election, it seems he was able to carry that. But I mean, there's something to be said about a best before date in politics. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he stayed past his best before date, or maybe the voters in this riding felt that way. I know there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of focus from, um, on conservative resources and, third-party advertisers in this riding. There was a group called, I think they called themselves Westwatch, uh, and they were, uh, they are a group of former Saskatchewan party officials and staffers who basically formed a pack to target liberal MPs in Western Canada, and they heavily ran ads against Ralph Goodale. You may have seen some signs around Edmonton because they ran, they had billboards against Emerjeet Sohi, and against Randy Bosano in Calgary, against Kent Hare, basically saying, "Vote out, uh, you know, Ralph Goodale to send Trudeau a message." And and so there's been a lot of focus on a lot of focus on that. This episode of the Dave Berta podcast is brought to you in part by the Tech Life Today podcast from Nate. Here's host Liz Pittman to tell you a bit more about what the podcast has in store for season two. Tech Life Today podcast is returning for season two. This season, we'll share even more stories featuring the incredible alumni, students, and staff of the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. We'll take a look at mental health in post-secondary, how to embrace change, the impact technology has on education, food security, and so much more. 
We can't wait to bring these stories to you. I'm Liz Pittman. I'm the host of the show. I'm delighted to be working with my Tech Life Today teammates on season two and hope you're ready to learn something new and be entertained. Stay tuned. Our first episode will be out in mid-September. To catch up on what you missed last season, visit techlifetoday.ca slash podcast or download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Search for the Tech Life Today podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Tech Life Today is all one word, by the way. Or go to techlifetoday.ca slash podcast. This episode of the Dave Berta Podcast is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes a weekly council roundup covering the latest decisions and discussions in municipal politics in Edmonton. It's curated by Mac Mail, co-founder of Taproot and co-host of Speaking Municipally, a fellow member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Subscribe to the Council Roundup for free at taprootedmonton.ca. Big question for me, I guess, and and probably some of our listeners is, what does this result mean for Alberta-Ottawa relations between the UCP and the federal liberals? Jason Kenney has been yelling and screaming about how Trudeau has to go. He he actively campaigned for the uh, Canadian Conservatives. do you think there's any way these two are going to be able to actually work together? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not not on the big substantial issues. I mean, the the thing to remember about the United Conservative Party is that it is essentially uh, a wing of the federal Conservative Party, um, and we saw that in this election. Jason, as you said, Jason Kenney was out campaigning with with federal Conservatives. He was in Ontario for a, a couple weekends ago. This past weekend, he was in. Winnipeg and, and uh, the Winnipeg area and Manitoba campaigning for conservative candidates. Um, conservative UCP cabinet ministers have been traveling around the country campaigning. Basically, the entire United Conservative Party caucus was out this week, this past week, every night campaigning for Tim Upple and for great, uh, James Cumming in uh, in Edmonton uh, in the two liberal held seats. So yeah, they're, they're, I don't think relations will be fantastic. Um, Jason Kenney has said again and again that he, he had pledged to try to defeat Justin Trudeau and remove Justin Trudeau from, from the prime minister's office. He said that the, the best case scenario was um, a conservative majority government. Well, we're seeing from the results tonight that the conservatives are far away from a majority government. Um, and I think that the relationship between the provincial government in Alberta and the federal government will certainly not improve. Um, regardless of what happens with the whole with with the whole pipeline thing which is like the biggest issue seems to be one of the biggest issues um uh what i think will be interesting is one of the things that jason kenny promised to do if andrew Scheer did not become prime minister is hold a referendum on equalization which would coincide with the 2020 october 2021 municipal election so we have that to look forward to alberta another two years debating uh, the political talking points <laughs> around equalization. And I look forward to hearing what Trevor Toome from the UFC says about it, because uh, Trevor's always incredibly insightful uh, and, and will have a lot of really informative stuff to say. So do, do pay attention to what, what he has to say. But, but I fear that it will just become, 
a um, a kind of uh, big baseball bat that the uh, the provincial conservatives here in Alberta can use against the federal liberals. Do you do you suppose that the the federal liberals were are going to still try and in their way court Albertans? You know, I, I mean, I don't imagine you'll see Justin Trudeau cruising through town very often. But does this give them? Does this election result mean they're going to just ignore Alberta for the next four years? Well, I don't think they're going to ignore Alberta. I mean, I think that that for the federal liberals, they, I think they need to really, because they they they've had this kind of fascination, fascination and obsession with with uh, especially with with Calgary, political obsession with Calgary about their potential for you know for making inroads and the beachheads they made in 2015. I mean, Justin Trudeau spent a lot of person of person. I'm not I mean not personal, but political and financial capital. I mean, 4.6 billion dollars. Uh, purchasing the Trans Mountain pipeline expansion, Trans Mountain pipeline, and the expansion project from Kinder Morgan when uh, when they were backing out of the project. So, and there doesn't appear to have been any political payoff for that. And I mean, I don't think they bought it, thinking that okay, well, Albertans will all vote for us uh, if we buy this pipeline. Because, like, I could have told you, no, most Albertans won't vote for you <laughs> if you buy this pipeline. But I think there was an idea that there was there would be some sort of political payoff. Um, I think the pipeline project will still go through uh, because if they didn't want to do it, they wouldn't have bought it um, because it's a lot of money uh, and it's an asset that the federal government owns. But but I think that, uh, I mean, we maybe, you know, maybe we'll see less of Justin Trudeau. Maybe we'll see more. Maybe we'll see more of a concerted effort um, from from the federal liberals focusing on, focusing on Alberta. Um, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see, I think the tone of the uh the tone of inter or intergovernmental politics between the Alberta government and Ottawa will uh be quite negative i think that um UCP MLAs when they return to the legislature this week um will not be buoyant and happy um i think they were expecting uh expecting uh Andrew Scheer to become prime minister expecting the conservatives to do much better um i mean i think it speaks to just how regionalized we are here in Canada. Uh, in Alberta and Saskatchewan, the Conservatives appear to have won almost every seat. I think Edmonton Strathcona might be the only holdout. Um, when you look at other parts of Canada, it's a lot different. The The Liberals have done better, or the Conservatives have not done as well in British Columbia, it appears. The, the Liberals continue to do very well in Ontario. The Bloc Québécois, out of all, we didn't even mention the Bloc, uh, the Bloc Québécois has like had a total rebound, and they won a whole bunch of seats in Quebec. Um, and then Atlantic Canada seems to be kind of a mix, but the Liberals continue to dominate. So, so you know, we're we're a country of regions, and what's the most important issue in Alberta and Saskatchewan might not be the most important issue in another part of the country. Um, <laughs> and that's just, you know, that that's nothing new. Uh, but I think politically, uh, it's being more pronounced uh, along partisan lines now. And what about um, what about these threats of of separatism uh, or this movement of separatism in Alberta? Do, do you think it is a movement? Is it something that you know those of us who identify as Canadians first should be taking seriously? I think that Western alienation has always been a thing, and it's kind of this omnipresent narrative or sub-narrative in Alberta politics, at least. I can't speak to Saskatchewan or, or the rest of the kind of Western regions, but in Alberta politics in particular, it's always kind of there and it kind of ebbs and flows depending on which government, who's in power in Ottawa. I mean, you didn't really hear about Western alienation a few years, five years ago when Stephen Harper was prime minister. So I think that 
that yeah, I mean, there's there's always a little bit of a there's always a, a sense of alienation because we are such a large country geographically, and I think a lot, you know, I feel even I feel sometimes that Ottawa and Ontario aren't really paying attention to Alberta. But then again, we're not particularly paying attention to what's going on in Ontario or other regions either. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that it gets particularly dangerous when it's drawn along partisan lines as it is now that uh it's it's troubling that someone would say or someone would 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 make the argument of if my party chosen party doesn't win in ottawa um then i want to leave the country or i want to move to to you know to form a separatist movement so right now the you know alberta separatism is very much a fringe very much on the political fringe um if you go to a, or if you, you know, watch the Facebook groups, Facebook live videos of some of these groups running around Alberta holding town halls about Alberta separatism, you'll have yellow vest groups and uh, UN conspiracy theorists show up. Uh, like these are very, these are not like mainstream people. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, I think it's on the fringe. We've always had kind of fringe political or movement, like separatist movements on, on that, that, you know, kind of exist in the right wing fringe. I think it's far away from becoming a mainstream thing, like an actual separatist movement. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's a feeling of alienation. I think there's a feeling among a lot of Albertans that the federal government uh, hasn't, you know, done quote unquote done enough for Alberta since the recession began, since the uh, uh, the international price of oil declined. When it comes to development of the energy industry and issues like climate change, I think there's uh, there is a, a kind of regional divides i think that alberta and saskatchewan um, i've written about this on my blog before that there very much feels like there's a lack of urgency when it comes to those issues now i mean there's you know we have an example of last week when greta thunberg came to edmonton and 10 or twelve thousand people showed up the legislature uh demanding action on climate change that's a big deal um but i don't think our provincial politicians are where where public opinion is in other parts of the other parts of the country right now on 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 the urgency of dealing with climate change and my my fear is that as if, if resentment builds in Alberta over the economic situation over the low price of price of oil uh, over how the international free market is approaching is is changing its approach to oil um, if we don't become leaders on issues like climate change in Alberta we may have solutions imposed on us by other parts of Canada that are moving forward on climate change issues. So I think, I do think that, I mean, climate change was an issue during this election campaign. Uh, and I do think it's something that, that is going to be a defining issue um, in this uh, minority parliament. Yeah, it's a great point. So let's move on to the leaders of the major parties. What do you think the fate is for these folks, starting with Andrew Scheer? Well, uh, he's not prime minister, <laughs> so he's going, you know, he's going to be uh, going to be leader of the official opposition at least for uh, for a period of time. I mean, I guess the question is, is how long does this parliament last? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the the conservatives, I think they believe they could win this election, um, and uh, you know, they may be willing to give Andrew Scheer a second chance if they believe that that uh, that this parliament isn't going to last very long. I mean, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, see what he does over the next uh, over the next uh, next few months. I mean, there's been chatter about uh, potential leadership opponents. There's been chatter, gossip, and rumors about Peter McKay, former uh, former uh, um, defense minister, 
under Harper's government launching a, a leadership challenge. Um, you know, I think that there's probably a lot of conservatives who are incredibly disappointed that despite all the scandal, despite the unpopularity of Justin Trudeau, especially here in the West, um, that the conservatives still weren't able to defeat, uh, to defeat him. Um, so, I mean, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see. I think that, that he's probably on, uh, on shake, Andrew Shear is probably on shaky ground now. Yeah. What about, uh, Jagmeet Singh? I mean, he kind of, his, he came alive during this campaign. It was, it was really cool to watch, um, the way he answered questions, even, uh, his campaign team, the way they worked with him on social media was really kind of frankly inspiring. Do you think that the NDP looks to him, even though they, they lost seats as the, the person to stick with over the next little while? Well, the NDP were, were probably going to lose seats anyway. I mean, it looks like they've lost all or most of their seats in um, almost all of their seats in Quebec or all of their seats in Quebec. Um, but I mean, remember going back four weeks ago, we were talking about the NDP being lucky if they won 12 seats and, <laughs> yeah. four, and, four, and, and they've won 25. So, you know, I mean, you're right. J uh, Jagmeet Singh, he came alive in the last two weeks of the campaign. Like he did, he was, you know, he was really good and his social media was fantastic and he was engaging and interesting. Uh, and I mean, it's almost like they just let him go off script and mm -hmm. then like they stopped putting the teleprompter in front of him and all of a sudden you could see that he's, actually a really cool guy and he's engaging and smart and uh and you know has stuff to say and uh ed you know it's too bad they didn't do that a year ago <laughs> no kidding but, but uh yeah I, I it'll be interesting to see where where the ndp do i'll have to take a look at who the new ndp mps are and, and where they've expanded and where they've lost but get where they've lost but i think that 25 seats um is probably i mean it's better than the ndp expected a few weeks ago Fair enough. And finally, what about Justin Trudeau? I mean, he he won a minority government, but he's he was sort of followed dogged by outrageous controversies. What 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 does his fate look like? Does he does he stick around for as long as he can maintain a government? Do you think? Uh, I oh I don't know. I mean, I I think I've been convinced over this election campaign, and I mean for the past year, but over the course of this election campaign, that the Liberals need new leadership. I think that the SNC-Lavalin scandal um, really enforced that with me. And the the scandals over the course of this election campaign um, have really suggested to me that the Liberals need to look for new leadership. But Justin Trudeau is the Liberal Party. He is like a center a piece of their brand right now. And they formed government. They won 156 seats. They lost a majority. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they're only about 14 seats away from majority as far as this, what I'm looking at on the tracker now. So it's a large minority government that they can form. Um, and they can probably do that working with the NDP or, 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 uh, or just doing it on their own. Um, but I, I mean, I think that I, yeah, I, I think that, uh, that, uh, that Justin Trudeau probably will have to look at what, what, what his 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 approval ratings say in in this parliament. I mean, they they might might give him a chance to uh, to stick it through this uh, this parliament to see if uh, if it can last. But I think the liberals, uh, I think they need to look for some new leadership. Yeah, agreed. Last question for you tonight, Dave, uh, and and not a not a process question, uh, but what do you think day one looks like for Trudeau's second mandate? Where where is he going to be? What issue will he be focused on? Well, I mean, he's got a, I mean, he's got to form a, got to form a cabinet. He's got to figure out what what this new parliament looks like, um, 
what his relationship is. I mean, going back to Alberta, I mean, what is his relationship with Alberta, this dynamic that's going to exist between him and Jason Kenney? And, uh, and I, I'm not totally answering your question, but going back to, going back to, uh, to just talking about Alberta for a second, um, if Andrew Scheer is on shaky ground after this because he has not won, now he's, he's increased his party's seat total, but they're still far away from forming a government. If Andrew Scheer is on shaky ground, I think that solidifies Jason Kenney as the leader of the conservative political movement in this country. And, mm -hmm. uh, and if Andrew Scheer goes, then, um, then I think we'll see Jason Kenney, uh, Jason Kenney, uh, mount a, mount a campaign federally, which right. would be very interesting for Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting for the listeners of this podcast as well. Yes. 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 Please make things more interesting in Alberta because uh, <laughs> things aren't, aren't already interesting enough. No. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for letting me take the reins tonight, Dave. That was actually a lot of fun. No problem, Adam. That was, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, and listeners, you can take the reins too. We want your feedback and questions for our next episode. You can get us on Twitter and Instagram at, at DaveBerta or on the DaveBerta Facebook page, or you can email us at podcast at DaveBerta.ca. Thanks for listening, and thanks for voting today, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>